Hello, and welcome to Rewatch. This is the show about movies we love and movies that we love. Zachary, this week, we are not talking about a movie that one of us has seen and the other hasn't. So normally, if you're just joining us for the first time, normally we talk about a film that one of us has seen and the other hasn't seen, and then we watch it and then we talk about it. Hence the parentheses around re and rewatch on the title. In case you're wondering and you've been listening to the show. Yeah. It's not it, just because it looks cool. Yeah. No, it was purposeful. It's it's like a pun. Sort of. Is it a pun? Does that it's count? It's a grammar pun. Cool. I'll take it. But that's not, that's not it. So <laughs> normally we do that. However, we decided to mix it up a little bit. And talk about a movie that both of us have seen that both of us love quite a bit um zachary you want to tell us what we watched this week we watched the princess bride heck yeah we did tell what is the princess bride for like the three people who don't know in the world who may not even be listening to this podcast please (laughs) do tell bride the princess bride is a 1987 classic (laughs) <laughs> written by William Goldman, the one and only, and directed by another one and only, Rob Reiner. Starring the one and only's Carrie Elwes, Mandy Patinkin, Robin Wright, and a ca- countless others. Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant. Billy um, Crystal. Billy Crystal. Wallace Shawn. Oh, man. What a cast. What a film. Oh, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Zachary, so normally this is the part where I'd ask you, you know, if you'd seen it for the first time, um, what you thought of it. But instead, so we both grew up with this movie. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me about one of the first times that you remember seeing this film. Ooh. Um, gosh. Um... I must have been younger than eight mm-hmm. the first time I saw this movie. Um, and I remember uh, we would watch it whenever it came on, whatever cable television channel it came on. Um, and I'd watch it with my parents, my brothers, um, or my brothers. Like If it was on, I'd, I'd be watching it. Um, and if if other people were there, that was great. But like, if, if they weren't, I was still watching it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) this movie is in my lifeblood. (laughs) It is. I think it's one of the first things, um, when we became friends 10 years ago as little middle schoolers, um, I think that was one of the things that I like knew about you you know like you know things about people before you become friends with them Mm -hmm. that was one of the things i knew that you liked star wars and i knew that you liked the princess bride which was enough to make me want to become friends with you Mm -hmm. so yeah um for me the the first memories that i have so i used to go spend a lot of time with my grandparents and my cousin Mackenzie. she doesn't listen to this i don't think um I don't think she listens to podcasts. She may not even know I do this. Um, But uh, her favorite movie is The Princess Bride. I know no one who can quote that movie better than her, including you, Zach. Ooh, challenge accepted. (laughs) 
She loves it. She knows every frame of it. She doesn't like movies very much, but she loves The Princess Bride. So, um, like, I texted her while I was watching this. So, the this movie, you want to talk about In Your DNA, for me, that's where it was. And so, my first memories are, I can still see the VHS cover that, of, that my grandmother had. That was always in whenever we were at my grandparents' house, the princess bride went in and uh, that was the only place we saw it for a long time. And then I distinctly remember the day that I got it on DVD um, when we were at uh, school, like in like the third grade or something, we got it on DVD. And then on my most recent birthday, my grandparents who my grandfather loves it as well um, on one of his favorite films handed me the Criterion Collection DVD, Blu-ray. And it was just, it's, yeah. So yeah, we're in that that same boat with this film. Um, Zach, tell me about, um, upon seeing it again for the, I'm not even I, gonna, I'm not even yeah. gonna say a number. <laughs> I don't even know. However many times that you've seen this film, what was your reaction um kind of going in what did you do you feel like you noticed anything new this time for something that you've seen so much of kind of what did you feel going into it one thing the only thing that i really no hold on i i noticed some other things that'll come up but one of the biggest things that i noticed um for those of you who don't know and for those of you listening to this not in 2020. Um, during 2020, a lot of big name movie people got together and did, uh, I think on Quibi, a recreation. May it rest in peace. <laughs> uh, a recreation, a home version, home video recreation of The Princess Bride. And the very last scene in The Princess Bride was recreated by... Rob Reiner, the director, who was the director of The Princess Bride, and his father, Carl Reiner, they played the, uh, Rob played the, the grandson who was sick, and Carl played the grandfather, and the very last, the very last project that Carl Reiner acted in was that project. So the last line, he, the last film he was in the last line he delivered was saying as you wish to his son and so it's a very sweet like in like pop culture moments um you know i was thinking about it and i want to talk about this more in a little bit but like this is a classic and people that we know like lived through these classics coming out and these major pop culture moments and it kind of feels like sometimes we don't have those for our time, but I think that it's because we're living through them. We don't think about them. Mm-hmm. And, but I do think that's one that we're going to say, yeah, that was a cool, a cool moment at a very unique point in history. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing. Yeah. So the final, as you wish, hit a lot harder than it has ever before. Um, I also like, Oddly enough, just actually paid attention to what Fezzik was saying as he's being choked out by 
Wesley. <laughs> um, like I, I never actually noticed, like paid attention to the words he was saying. Um, and it's really interesting. Like he's taught, he's like talking about how like you, it's a lot different fighting 12 men than it is fighting one man. And he <laughs> goes into the details of how it's different. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think we should start at the writing of this film, um, which is just, oh man, the writing of this film, it is so clever. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who don't know, William Goldman wrote the book that The Princess Bride is based on and then also wrote the film adaptation um, that was, that we're talking about right now, um, (laughs) in case you missed it. But he just, he is so quick with dialogue, but in a way that feels so consistent with the characters. Mm -hmm. Everyone speaks uniquely and in their own voice, and you never feel like something is out of place. You never feel like it's wrong. But but it's just, it's still characteristic of these characters. Um, And it's so subtle and, oh man, it's so good. Now, the movie is known for its dialogue, and it's specifically the kind of quippy one-liners that are throughout. So, Zach, I have a difficult question for you. You you know exactly what I'm going to ask you. Do you have a favorite one-liner from this film? Or a favorite (sighs) quote in general? You know what? I know, but if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, I, it's kind of a cop out, but I'm going to have to go with as you wish just because it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like it's such an, it's so effortlessly perfect. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I even thought about like, um, when uh when working on set uh and somebody asked me to do something i thought maybe i should start saying as you wish but then i'm like no that's weird (laughs) because even if i'm just doing it as a reference if they get the reference then it's weird hey if chick-fil-a can respond to everything with my pleasure i think you can pull off as you wish yeah Maybe next time. Maybe maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think my favorite moment of the film and kind of my favorite line is one that I can't say on this podcast because we have committed <laughs> to being family friendly. But it's right after, um, uh, Enigma Montoya has killed, or right before he kills Count Rukin, and he tells him that he wants his father back. That that moment is such a moment of like pure storytelling and the film like that story has come full circle and you can you're watching Enigma Montoya's storyline close in that Mm -hmm. moment you're seeing the closure and I you know it always hit as a kid 
hearing that, I think because it was a curse word and we didn't know mm. curse words and we didn't say curse words. <laughs> and so hearing a curse word was like, oh my gosh, he just said that. But now looking back on it, it also just like, it is such a moment of closure for that mm. character. And what happens there is so great. Um, but also basically every line from Inigo's and Wesley's um duel oh my gosh which i think if i had to gun to my head you had to make me pick a favorite part of the film that's it Mm -hmm. like hands down i think that's that's the best part of the film um not for any like there are lots of other like story moments that are really important to the story of the film that are brilliant and well executed but as far as like fun and games that that sequence of Wesley kind of destroying each of them individually is mm-hmm. so good. It is structured so well, but specifically that moment of Inigo and Wesley fighting is great. The the whole I'm not left-handed thing. I think so Carrie Elwes wrote a book about the making of the film and it's called As You Wish. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I think he missed the chance to call it no one of consequence, um, which is, I, I can't think of a better autobiography line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so kind of tell me about your thoughts on the acting kind of coming at it from someone who is, you know, made a film or two and been on set probably a couple of times since the last time that you saw this film. Tell me about kind of what you you felt as far as I guess. I think it's so incredible how in the characters everyone was. Um, like it's it's a very light film, and they like they're just completely fully engaged in the characters, um, like. I don't think anybody has the guts to ever remake The Princess Bride because the princess, all of the characters, none of the characters could be recast. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it Like, none of them. Spe- I mean, definitely none of the main characters, but like, the only way this could be redone and maybe I, w- I would actually watch it if they redid it this way um, <laughs> is if they redid it with the original cast. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, um, I imagine which would be difficult, which would be difficult um, yeah. especially with Andre the giant no longer being with us. Yeah. But um, aside from that, like I don't, I don't think anybody has the guts to remake this movie. That's yeah. Um, iconic iconically each character is present represented by the actors yeah well i would imagine i'm not an actor and i have never claimed to be um but i would imagine that this kind of film is almost more difficult in a way than some other things because it requires a lot of sincerity 
the film mm-hmm. is incredibly sincere in what it is doing and what it is saying. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is an over the top fairy tale comedy. Yeah. And on the note of like people remaking it, when was the last time that we had a fairy tale comedy like The Princess Bride? The closest thing I can think of would be Robin Hood Men in Tights. Also starring Carrie Ellis. Also, yeah, also starring Carrie Ellis. And also in the 80s, yeah? Uh, Early 90s? 90s. Early okay. 90s. So, you know, we're talking at least 20, 25 years mm-hmm. since the last kind of film like that. You know, and every fantasy film, every film that is a remake now is like, here's the dark version of this film. Here's the... <laughs> Here's the <laughs> I'm I'm picturing a dark princess bride and, now. Like a like a Nolan princess bride. And it doesn't work. No. It just that destroys the whole purpose of this. Because you have two stories going on and you have the story of the, the kids or the, the fairy tale story. But then you also have underneath that the um story of the grandfather and the grandson. Which also develops as the story in the fairy tale develops. And I mean, the the closest thing that we have to something like that is like bedtime stories starring Adam Sandler. Have you seen that movie, Zach? I have not seen that movie. I don't recommend it. (laughs) I don't know why I've seen it. I know I have. I have very distinct memories of seeing it. (laughs) I can't tell you why I saw it. But but that's like the closest thing that we have, right? And those kind of movies just aren't made, aren't being made right now. Mm-hmm. And a dark version of The Princess Bride doesn't work. Yeah. So I think, you know, as with anything that was popular, especially that was popular in the 80s, given our climate, um, and there's a whole um, psychology of that that I find fascinating. But I think that you know, people are going to try to remake it, but you're never going to be able to recapture that magic, both because of the acting, but also just because of how special the film is in and of mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite kind of side character? So the way that the film is, it just has all these little side adventures, basically. And there are, I'm thinking of three different characters. There's probably more. They're just like side characters who pop up for a hot second and then disappear again. Do you have a favorite one of those? I I really like Miracle Max. But I'm gonna I'm gonna Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm yeah. I'm basic. I'm gonna say Miracle Max. He's he's a great character. Mm-hmm. That whole scene, him and his wife are just yeah. fantastic. There's a reason that it's so iconic. Yeah. While they were filming, Rob Reiner wasn't able to be on set <laughs> because he was laughing so much that it made him nauseous. <laughs> and Mandy it's... Patinkin, uh, the only injury he sustained on set was a bruised rib from stifling his laughter in <laughs> Billy Crystal. Yeah. Which is impressive considering the amount of athletic work that that man did on this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The performance is just is great. Yeah. Um, 
I think so there's two things that stand out to me number one when the priest turns around and says marriage for the first time even watching it again knowing it was coming the build up to that moment (laughs) is absolutely amazing it is so good because it just you he turns around and the music dies and it's silent and it gets really quiet and then he just loudly marriage and it's just oh my gosh so this movie for one is great to watch by yourself with a date with family with friends with a large group of people this movie is like perfect for any group um I watched it. I used it as an excuse uh, to go have dinner with my parents and watch it with them. Um, and it was really fun because they, they've seen it a thousand times too. Mm-hmm. And so it was really fun seeing them laugh at things before it happened <laughs> because they knew it was coming and then it happens and then they laugh at it. Um, and that, I think, I think the, the impressive clergyman is my mom's favorite character. Yeah. Um, Cause she, she just loses it. And like, yeah. yeah, she just won't like, she, she just goes on and on about how much she loves that scene. Well, the second thing to me that really stood out was the scene. There's a scene where Buttercup has a dream about being presented as queen. And I experienced real anxiety on rewatching that scene because when I was a kid, that scene terrified me. Dude, the, the old hag. The old hag who comes up and is like screaming at Buttercup. That terrified me. And so I was sitting here knowing full well it was coming, knowing what it was gonna what she was gonna do, what she was gonna say, what it was like. I've seen it a thousand times. And it's still like my heart started racing <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But you mentioned something that I want to come back to because um, there's something that I think is really special about this movie that other movies don't really have. Um, and I'm thinking specifically about Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Have you seen that? I have multiple times. Okay. It's, it's fantastic. It is. I'm going to critique it. I just, I, I want that noted before I go any further I think that it's fun. I think that it's a good example of some great sketch comedy. Mm -hmm. But it has a drawback that I think The Princess Bride, which is a very similar kind of film, Mm -hmm. um, medieval fantasy comedy. Um, Lots of differences, and we can get into the nuances at another time. (laughs) But I think something that it does really, really well is that Princess Bride is that the reason that you can watch it with friends and groups of people and a date who's also seen it a thousand times is that it is quotable and it is funny. It is like a warm blanket that you just wrap yourself up in and hang out in. Monty Python and the Holy Grail doesn't really have a lot of story to it. Right. It's a great time to hang out with friends, especially if one person has seen it and the other people haven't. 
really funny because you get that moment of laughing before the joke and everyone kind of catching up and you can laugh through it. Mm-hmm. But I've watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail alone. And I've watched Princess Bride alone and I've watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail with friends and I've watched the Princess Bride with friends. Monty Python and the Holy Grail doesn't stand up when you're alone. Mm-hmm. Because at, at its core, it's sketch comedy. It's not really a film. There's not really a story. It's harder to stay engaged with Monty Python than it is with Princess Bride. Maybe you disagree. What are your thoughts? I disagree a little bit. Um, I definitely am on board with... Like, there's not... There is a story, but, like, it's it's definitely choppy. Like, it's not... It is not a smooth story. It is not a... There also isn't, like, a heart to the story. Yeah. Um, that the Princess Bride just, like, oozes heart. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's one of the things that, like, if, uh, if the last thing Carl Reiner had acted in was a scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like... Even if it was, like, even if the circumstances were the same or, like, it was him and his son and Rob had directed it the first time, like, even if that was identical, it would not have the same, it it does not pack the same punch as his last thing he acted in being the final scene of his son's most well-known movie. Definitely. Because that movie is The Princess Bride and The Princess Bride it it hugs you throughout the entire thing. It, <laughs> it's a great way it of is, putting it, it. It's what I imagine a hug from Andre the Giant would have felt like. <laughs> because it's just this giant warm secure if anything were to possibly go wrong he's got you mm-hmm. hug. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think um I think there's just there's so much heart in this film. Uh there's so much in it. Um I wanted to zoom out a little bit more as well. Uh so I on the Blu-ray that I have of this film, it has some of the original TV spots for it. Um, which are great because it's just pure 80s cheese basically <laughs> um, uh, but something that I was thinking about with it is that people were watching a classic for the first time in theaters and it stuck with them you know like this is a movie that as a kid I grew up watching mm-hmm. it's like Star Wars you know and so I want to ask you a question two two questions one do you think people knew 
that what they were watching was a classic and that what they were that it was going to be around a lot longer because I know I feel like for us now we see a movie and it lives its life of about two years and then it kind of fades away and then Mm -hmm. it'll come back and then it'll fade away and so on and so forth so I wonder if you think people knew like hey this is going to stick around a lot longer than whatever the normal cycle for a movie is and then I want to know if you think there are any movies that have come out in the last 10 years or so that you think are going to be like that. Um, I think, I think definitely some people knew, um, it's a Bill Goldman script. Um, and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid was already a classic at that time. Um, and so I think it, it wasn't, or wouldn't have been that surprising at the very least to a lot of people. Um, for the lay person, they probably didn't know. Um, but after a while, like, I'm sure people were already quoting it a lot since it came out. So, um, there comes a point where people keep referencing a movie and you're like, oh yeah, I guess this is still pretty, pretty, very popular, Mm-hmm. And um, I asked that question not really having like not looked into and like studied how it was received and all of that um, mm-hmm. and any resurgence and all of that that probably happened as well. So just fair warning there. <laughs> um, for the other ones, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to pull up my all the movies that I've seen or that I've reviewed on Letterboxd. I think Um, one evident movie, um, one very prominent movie that is probably going to be sticking around for a long time is Inception. That's the first movie that I kind of go to. Um, And that was one I didn't necessarily pay attention to as far as the cultural context of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think movies like the I think the entire like phase one phase two phase three of the MCU are gonna be movies that we look at like that mm-hmm. that we're gonna be telling our kids like I saw Endgame in a movie theater I saw I saw Infinity War in a movie theater and I saw every single one of the Avengers movies in a movie theater um you know so i think that i think that there's an element of that i think it's a little bit different in that those movies are these spectacle movies um you know that martin scorsese says aren't real cinema so obviously they can't be <laughs> but i for me those are films that i think that we're going to keep looking back on and say yeah that was a great cultural moment and we saw that in a theater I think about Star Wars The Force Awakens and what whatever your feelings are on the rest of the prequel trilogy sitting in the theater for The Force Awakens for the very first time as it came on and the lights went down and a long time ago in a galaxy far far away came up I think that's a moment that for a lot of us we're going to hold on to for a long mm-hmm. long long time um 
I think, I guess this doesn't necessarily count because it's a musical, but I think Hamilton is one that will be around and known for a while. um, Yeah. Because it's like, it's already, I don't, I don't know how old it is. It's about five years now. 2015 was when it came out. Yeah. So that's not, that's not super old. But the fact that it's still as culturally relevant as it is yeah. means that it's probably going to be pretty well known. Um, yeah. Honestly, I can't really think of any. Yeah. Um, I want to say like Knives Out or um, Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. But like those are great movies. I love them. Baby Driver is my favorite movie of all time. But like. I don't know if those are actually the classics that we think they are mm-hmm. or that, 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 that I want them to be just because they're my, they're some of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, I could see, I could see both of those films. I baby driver, I think a little bit more, but it's also mm-hmm. had more time to like bake in the consciousness of people. You know, I, I've heard this talked about a lot and I agree with it. 2019 was a really amazing year for film. Mm-hmm. For independent film, for major films, like, y- you know, again, whatever your stance on the MCU and Star Wars Endgame coming out, that was 2019, yeah? Feels like so. forever ago. I think it was, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? I pretty think- sure. I'm pretty sure. I, I could be way wrong. I'm going to feel really stupid if I'm wrong. But I think it was 2019. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Endgame, The Rise of Skywalker, both of those films, 2019, huge deals. Um, but then also movies like The Farewell, movies like the movie we're going to talk about next week, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. 1917. Um, 1917. Parasite. Parasite. <laughs> Parasite. Which is a movie that I think I think is going to be considered a classic, and I think it's going to be mm-hmm. considered a turning point because you have this Korean film no Korean movie is ever nominated for an Oscar and then it wins four. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a turning point. I think that's going to be something that we look back at and we're going to be able to say to our kids and grandkids. Yeah. I saw parasite in a theater. Mm-hmm. I think get out is um, not necessarily a classic, but is, um, is the, um, the, foundation of a new era of Mm -hmm. african-american led uh cinema for sure um because you you've you've had like spike lee working since the early 80s maybe even late 70s but this is a new revolutionary era um of black filmmaking yeah for sure um i think that's going to be huge mm-hmm. um and when i when i talk about saying movies that we're going to look back as at as classics i don't necessarily mean movies that we look at as the best pieces of cinema from that year i you know i wouldn't know for certain but i would imagine that princess bride wouldn't necessarily have made a lot of those lists for people right because it, it didn't do what we expect quote unquote great cinema to do 
which mm-hmm. is be um, intelligent about the culture and say something and whatever. Uh, but, you know, when was the last time that you really had a conversation about Moonlight? Oh, gosh. A while ago, that wasn't with you. That wasn't with, like, a really intricate, like, film person. You know, someone who yeah. knows all the ins and outs. And maybe maybe that's a bias there about Parasite and about other films. But I, I, I really do think that within the culture of film, that's what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, Moonlight, it's it's a good film. Like, it's a, it's mm-hmm. a well-made film. Yeah. But it's not really... It has not stuck in the cultural consciousness as much as something like Get Out did and mm-hmm. does. People still reference Get Out all the time. Yeah. So I think that those are the films that really stick with us and matter. And that's going to be going to be one of them. I think Get Out has a leg up on Moonlight, though, mm-hmm. because it was written and directed by Jordan Peele. And he already had a fan base that was from comedy Mm -hmm. yeah and so the transition he he kind of had a pre-existing fan base Mm -hmm. even though it's a completely different genre well i think that for a movie to really stick around it has to have an overlap of accessibility and artistic integrity and good craft Mm -hmm. the princess bride has that I think La La Land has that. Mm-hmm. And people think about that movie maybe more than they think about Moonlight because Moonlight doesn't really have that. It's not the most accessible film. It's not. Get Out is more accessible. I think Parasite, the only reason that I see that not sticking around in our consciousness is the fact that it's in Korean. But mm-hmm. even then, it has a leg up on other things because it really does. It's amazing quality. And its storytelling is amazing. And I think that's going to add to some of the feelings of accessibility. So I think that... Um, I think The Princess Bride pretty evidently hits on that that overlap. Mm-hmm. So kind of in conclusion of our discussion here, <laughs> um, what is your rating and do you think you'll ever watch this movie again? Um, originally, I didn't. I like originally I had rated it four out of five. Um, but after thinking about it and thinking about how much the movie is and means to so many people, I think that it deserved the extra final five star. Oh boy. Um. So, yeah, I, I give it a five out of five. And yes, yes, I'm going to be watching this again. I'm, I've been looking at purchasing it. My brother owns the DVD version, mm-hmm. but my brother lives in Los Angeles. It's unfortunate. So we had to rent it last night. Um, so I'm going to be buying it soon so that I don't have to rent it. And also so that I have it. Yeah. Because I need it. Yeah, for me, it's like having the Chronicles of Narnia to share with your kids, you know, mm-hmm. have a good copy of The Princess Bride, um, which I guess betrays my answer to this question <laughs> a little bit. I gave it a four and a half out of five. 
Um, but that's only because Letterbox doesn't let you do like a point seven five. Um, really, it's like a four point seven five. Um, and I have my reasons, but I don't want to talk about them. <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna be seeing this film again, probably soon. Um, it's a fantastic movie. So, Zach, you want to recommend something for us? So the first movie, I I have a couple of recommendations, which is not the normal (laughs) plan, but this isn't a normal episode. Um, My first recommendation is The Princess Bride itself. If you have not seen it, if you have seen it, watch it. Seriously, what are, why it's, are you listening to the, Why did you listen to this podcast if you haven't? You could be halfway through the movie by now. Seriously, um, yeah. So the first one is the Princess Bride. Another one is another movie that we've reviewed already, <laughs> um, and it's another Bill Goldman script, um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It's the feel of the Princess Bride, but it's a buddy comedy western. Which I think sells the movie pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's so. just as quotable. I haven't seen it as much as The Princess Bride, so I can't quote it as well. But it's just as quotable, just as fun. It's great. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then just as classic. Once you see that, you can go listen to our episode on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and Psycho. Yeah, it's a double episode. It's pretty great. And then you can watch The Princess Bride again and then listen to this episode again. It's an endless loop. That gets us extra plays. <laughs> um, my recommendation for this week is another classic film. It's another one on the Criterion Collection. It is 12 Angry Men. Oh, man. I love this film. I just watched it the other day again, probably third or fourth time. It is so riveting. It is relevant. It was made in 57, but it is just as relevant today. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. Go watch that movie. And now it's part of the show where we talk about what we're going to see next week, which is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, Zach, you haven't seen this movie yet, but I have. It is an A24 film, uh, brand new. I talked a little bit about it last, a little bit earlier in the show. Um, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm excited to return to it. Um, San Francisco is one of my favorite cities in the world, so it's a little bit of a bias there, but I'm excited to talk about it. And we'll do that next week. But until then, you can go watch that film. And then you can follow me on Instagram at Seth Scruggs. Also on Letterboxd at Seth Scruggs. Zach, where can they follow you? You can follow me on Instagram at Zach is thinking and Letterboxd at Zachary Vaughn. Yeah. And then if you want to follow our joint endeavors, you can follow Mark Spots the X Productions on Instagram. And hey, we just released a short film, Zach. Yeah. Like very recently. So go watch it. So you can go watch that. It's on YouTube. Um, you can find the link on our Instagram page. 
we're really proud of it and we hope you go check it out um yeah so with that we will see you next week i'll see you